0: Hi there, I'm Maddie and I serve on the Joy Production team. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Through taking the time to listen to this message, we pray you'll not only come to know more about God, but you'll come to know more about yourself as well. Once again, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy today's message. I can almost see it, that dream I'm dreaming, but there's a voice inside my head saying You'll never reach it. Every step I'm taking, every move I make feels lost with no direction. My faith is shaken, but I I gotta keep trying. Right. Woo-hoo! Good morning, Joy Christian Center. How many of you do that in a parking lot? Anyone? No? A couple of you? I used to do it all the time until I almost did a face plant once. And then you do the as soon as that happens, you're like, I tried to do that, and you're looking around, make sure nobody saw you do that. Good morning, I'm Pastor Brian, and uh, your Joy Christian Center, thank you for being a part of our service this morning. We've got some good stuff for you. We're in part two of a series that we're calling The Grind. Everybody say grind. grind? Anybody doing any grinding this week? Life is maybe a little bit of a grind, a little bit of stuff going on. How many of you know there's always stuff that goes on? Amen. Let's try over here. How many of you know that sometimes there's stuff that goes on? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. What's the old saying? Same day or a different day, same stuff. So there you go. So we're doing a series called The Grind. And and I hope for those of you that perhaps are new this morning or one of your first times with us, I I feel like um, we began a series back in January called uh, Momentum. And then we went from that series to one called The Road to the Final Four, which by the way, for those of you who may not know, the Final Four is in full progress. March Madness is happening all around us. It's an awesome weekend to watch basketball, college basketball, a lot of fun there. And then we're doing a series called The Grind. And for me personally, uh, I was telling Pastor Tommy this morning that, that there's so many things that make so much more sense in January that we talked about now that we're here. And I, we didn't intend, I didn't intend when we began planning, and I wrote some stuff about momentum back in January, or, or I'm sorry, July or August of last year and now just it's kind of coming to light for me so I have a lot of things that are really just kind of bursting and this week and next week I want to talk about something that I think well in fact I know is pertinent to everybody and it's such a desire of my heart uh, and so we I'm just going to kind of jump right into this whole thing about the grind because there's some things that I believe specifically God wants for us uh, from this morning that are and I know it's going to help you and so in the grind, we've been talking a little bit about it last week, we introduced the grind and the idea of the grind. Most of us, when we think of the grind, we think of, of, of you know the, the routine of life is stuck in a rut. I mean, it's just the daily grind, right? The daily grind. And that's what, what makes daily life difficult is the daily grind. It's, it's, t- it's tough and it's difficult and it's hard and we're just always going, always going, always going. Stuff's always happening. But... If we turn to take a little bit different perspective or look at the word grind, the idea of the word grind, and that's a little bit of what the video was about. That, how, many of you are thank, how many of you are thankful for coffee? Somebody had the idea to take a green bean... Actually, we did find out a little bit more about why coffee became coffee and how come somebody decided to, to figure out how they could ingest the coffee. And, and, but I'm thankful that the process that was discovered that led to somebody taking a coffee bean, roasting it, and then grinding it up and then pouring hot liquid through it created delicious tasty drink how many of you are glad for coffee we're all glad for coffee and so you know and i'm thankful and i'm thankful for the grinding process that brings good things out a cocoa bean it gets ground up and it's powdered and then they add you know whatever stuff they add to the cocoa bean to create chocolate i'm glad for chocolate one of my all-time favorites peanut butter i love peanut butter i love ground beef Take a cow, grind it up, fry it up, and eat it. That's the most excited all of you gotten in weeks. And actually, I was kind of a little bit mocked for this last week, but I want to give you a, show you a picture of, of one of my favorite things. Here it is. This is a peanut butter and egg with bacon hamburger. How many of you have ever tried it? You're going to yes. Actually, we showed this picture during the service run-through. Angela Paulson. She she was sitting here and she looked at it and I said I said I said Have you ever tried that? No. She goes. I said Doesn't that look good? She goes No, it doesn't. I said what? It doesn't. How come? She goes I don't like bacon, and I'm like Okay, but the egg and the peanut butter that's okay. But that bacon Ooh, that's nasty stuff. <laughs> No, my point simply is this, is that there are things that grind us down. In fact, sometimes the grind happens in a way we're not even aware of it. People go to sleep at night, and and maybe because of stress or pressure, just whatever's going on, they grind their teeth, and they don't know that their teeth are getting worn down. There's a negative aspect of the grind, but there's also a very positive aspect of the grind as well. And so as we talk about this, it's really a matter of how we choose to look at some things. And so in our daily living, in our daily life, there is a grind and that grind can wear us down. That grind can polish us up. But even more so in our Christian walk, our walk with the Lord, sometimes it is the daily of the daily walk. That can cause us to lose heart. It is the daily of the daily walk that can cause us to decide that, you know what, we're not going to possess any more ground. We're going to just kind of become, instead of a pilgrim, instead of a journeyer or a traveler, we're going to become a settler. And we're going to stop right here. In fact, that's some of what the, the last series, the, the road to the final four. That there's a process that begins and it has a definite ending. And, and, and we need to finish the course. We need to finish the job. Amen? We need to get to the end. We we need to continue to take steps and brings us to the grind because in between the start and the finish is the daily life. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, we read these words and, and, and we've really kind of been talking about this in a lot of different ways with a lot of different a lot of different verses. And the Christian life is, ju- is viewed as a journey. It's not a sprint. It is a marathon. You are on this journey for the rest of your life on planet earth. You don't get a day off. Hello. Aren't you glad God doesn't take a day off? Amen. But we don't get to either. You are a follower of Christ. Kind of Forever. Oh, Pastor Brian. No, it's a good thing. Listen to what, what the writer of Hebrews says. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, everybody say therefore. Yes. We'll find out why it's therefore in just a moment. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and this idea of a race, this idea of, uh, uh, that we are all running a race that we should run to win, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set, Before us. Once again, I want to establish something in your thinking this morning as we take another step. And that is that we are all, if if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. Or as Jesus said, you must be born again. If you're born again, you entered into a race. You may not realize it. You may not have known that that was a part of of accepting Jesus. But you're in a race. God's given you a race to run. And we're to run it with endurance. The reason that we we have to run it with endurance is because it's not always an easy race race to continue to run and so when he says I, I want you to understand something you're running a race and and he says therefore we also paul or the writer of hebrews was talking about the the, the present group of people that he was addressing therefore we also we also were surrounded whether you realize it or not, there and the picture is a great grandstand. It is a grandstand in heaven that those who've left this life following Jesus before you—they're cheering you on. They're like, "Go for it! You can make it! You—you you can do it!" You know, all of those things. But the therefore backs up to Hebrews chapter ten, and and this is some ground we've covered a, a couple of times over the last few years, and and uh, but but let me just give you a little bit of a a little bit of a background of of what caused the writer here to say this? In Hebrews chapter 10, around verse 32, 33, 34, he, he, he talks about when you guys started the race, when the King James, New King James uses the word enlightened. When you were enlightened, when you saw something you hadn't seen before, referencing Jesus, when you saw that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Savior, when, when you saw that and you stepped into that light, you stepped into that life, you entered into a race. But the people that he was addressing, they were in the grind. They were going through some stuff. And he said, when you stepped into that race, when you were enlightened, not everybody around you thought it was a great idea. They mocked you. They made fun of you. They stole your possessions. They beat you up. They did everything they could because of your faith. Nothing more. But because you said now that you trust in Jesus, there's pressure against you. You're in the grind. You're going through it. And apparently there were some who were perhaps going to give up their faith, going to step away from it because of the pressure, because of the grind. And so the writer says, don't cast away therefore your confidence because that has a great reward for you. Remember, we've talked about the promise that God has for us. The promise is on the other side of the process. We love the promise, but we don't always enjoy the process. We love a nice polish a nice polished piece of furniture but we don't always like the dusty sweaty work to get that polish and it's similar in life we love the promises of god but we don't always like the process of god and that's what the writer was saying stuff is going on you're in the grind and he Works through the 10th chapter, gets into the 11th chapter, and he gives an example. And he said that there were those, the heroes of faith, as he called it, those who, 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 who they stood fast. And, and they endured a lot of things, but eventually they obtained the promise. Others didn't get the promise in this life, but they got the promise in the next life. And really what it is, is we're given two, two perspectives. We're given two views. When, when, when we look at Hebrews chapter 12, what we really get, two perspectives of life, two perspectives of the grind, is that our view of heaven, that's, that's what we find in, in Hebrews chapter 10, the end of it. It's our view of God, our view of heaven, but still on the earth, the perspective. And the writer saying, make sure you're looking at the right thing. But when we get over to Hebrews chapter 12, we're we're looking at the scene from heaven looking towards the earth. And so once again, I want to establish in your thinking that when you said yes to Jesus, when you accepted him as your savior, you began something. And there is a finish line. There is an end. There is a place that God wants you to arrive at. But in between, in between, this life is the grind. And in between Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 32-ish and Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1, 2, and 3 is this verse in Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1, 2, and 3. And we've talked about this. I want to I bring back something that we talked about back in January. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Remember last week we said this, we said that, that we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by what we believe, not by what's in the path in front of us. And if we are going to successfully navigate the grind of life and not get ground down by life, but instead have those events create something wonderful out of our life, perspective is so important. I said perspective is so important. And so again, he says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things that I'm not presently looking. There's something greater, something bigger than what I can just see. Seeing is not always believing. Sometimes seeing is deceiving. We need to learn the difference between the two. Verse two, for by it or by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. Again, the writer is saying, don't give up on your faith because it's gonna produce something. Don't give up on your faith because there's something powerful at work. He who began a good work in you will complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. There's something powerful at work in your life and in my life if we will let it work. Again, for by faith or by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. They heard, well done, good and faithful servant. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now, the word frame, again, means one thing to a contractor, to a builder. We think of framing a wall, and and, and that's the idea to a certain extent that the writer here is talking about, that God's word became the frame for the entire creation experience. But framing can mean something totally different depending on the context or who's using the framing, which is why I brought my picture fr- Actually, it's, I brought Jackie's picture frame back. Thank you. I was going to give it to her last week, and then I was like, you know, I might use this again. And it's going to come back probably next week because there's something you need to see. But my, the, the idea is simply this. If you're a camera operator like we've got back there, or if you've taken a photographer, you've taken pictures, or if you've messed with editing pictures uh, on your computer, you understand framing at least to a certain degree. And, and, and I, can, I can take this frame, and, and if I choose to, I can, I can look at my lovely wife. And I can, there's a few things in the background, but I can, I can frame it in such a way. Now, there's a whole bunch of stuff all around my frame, but I can choose to frame. I can choose to frame what I look at. And I think the writer of Hebrews is saying something to the church. He said, you're going through the grind right now. You're going through some tough stuff. This is real for you. People are stealing your goods, and they're making fun of you, and they're, and they're beating you up, and they're doing all this stuff, and it's tempting you to give up the faith. There's some stuff in your frame right now that is unpleasant, and you need to change your perspective, you need to change your view, you need to change what you are seeing, because you're looking at that stuff, but you need to understand something, that beyond the pain, beyond the grind, beyond the process, there is a promise, and there were others... There were others who went through even worse stuff than you went through. And he, he begins the heroes of faith in, in Hebrews chapter 11. And he talks about these ones, these great people who, regardless of the day, the age, the temptation, the problem, regardless of whether they had a great name or a small name, a little name, or were unnamed, they all... Received an inheritance, they all received a blessing because they didn't let go of their faith. And I have found in 20 plus years, 30 years of being a pastor of a local church, that many times it isn't the big thing that knocks people out of the race. It isn't the big catastrophic event. It is the daily grind of Christianity that either causes people to not run anymore and exit the race, or they just stop in their place and they're not moving anymore said so last week, this series, some of you will love it because you love a challenge. Some of you won't like it because you don't want to be challenged. And so Paul, or I'm sorry, the writer of Hebrews, he's, he says, we're all running a race. And your perspective is very important. How you look at things, how you look at your perspective. Siri is trying to help me right now. I don't know why Siri just popped up. But anyway, he's <laughs> listening. I'm going to get all these ads now for churches after this. <laughs> <clears throat> The writer of Hebrews said there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of grind in your life right now, but don't choose to make that your perspective, because if you do, it's going to wear you out. So he goes on, again, Hebrews 12, verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus, so you're running a race, lay aside the sin, the weight, all those things that so easily trip you up, and look to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of what? Our faith. Jesus' author, Jesus is there at the beginning. When by faith we said, Jesus, I believe that you're my savior. I believe that you died for my sin, that you took my sin upon yourself, and you create something brand new on the inside of me. At that moment, faith began something in you. He is the author of it, but he also wants to finish it in you. So it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of the faith, Jesus is to be our example. Jesus did the same thing. When I'm in the grind, I need to consider Jesus. When I'm in the grind, when it's tough, I need to consider my Savior. I need to follow his example. Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, it goes on, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross despising the shame, and it sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus was living life. And we talked about the Garden of Gethsemane a couple of weeks ago, where Jesus, actually the word Gethsemane means the press. Jesus was in the press. Jesus actually prayed, God, I don't want to do what you want me to do. Go and look at it. That's a sobering statement to think about because we think that Jesus was almost robotic, that he never had any problem doing what his father asked him to do. And yet we find him in the garden praying with, with, with drops of blood. I can't, I, I don't want, this is, it's almost crushing me to death. He told his disciples, I feel like this is going to be the enemy. I feel like I could die right now. Father, let this cup pass from me. He said, I'm in the grind right now, but I'm choosing not to look at the cross. I I don't like the shame. I don't like all of that stuff, but I'm going to look past that because who for the joy that was set before him, you and I are a part of that joy. The plan of redemption and the plan of pleasing the Father and accomplishing the Father's will was the joy that was set before him. So rather than looking at the cross and the pain and the shame, he looked beyond that. There was something else in his frame. We all understand that this morning. So do we all understand that, kind of all in the same place? All right, now we're ready to take another step. You may or may not know this about me, <clears throat> but I'm not a big fan of standing in line. I kind of feel like sometimes that it's, you know, my duty to make sure the line is moving at appropriate speed, and, and I can get, that can get me in trouble. But I'm not a big fan of lines, and here's why I'm, a, here, here's why I'm not a big fan of lines right here. That feels like my experience every time I go shopping. I feel sorry for those people. But I sometimes shake my head. as like, you're stupid. That's one of the reasons that Amazon is doing so well. Hallelujah. I'm not a big fan of lines. And I was thinking about something as we've kind of gone from the momentum series to road to the final four to where we are now. I feel like we can learn a lot from being in line at the checkout line. If you've ever gone shopping, and most all of you have gone shopping, grocery shopping, whatever it is, uh, you know it's an experience and, and, and you know I think guys are a little bit more the hunter-gatherer type give me the list what do you need go get it that kind of a thing and, and, and we'll also be the ones that'll kind of like take the little journey you know it's like well I wasn't supposed to go down the chip aisle but here I am and you know I might as well or sometimes you know your wife will say hey go to the store you need to get these five things and okay yeah I got it and you get the five you're heading out the door and she's like aren't you gonna write it down no I'm an adult I can remember five things good lord well, then you get in the car and you're listening to sports and you're driving there and you talk to somebody and you get in the store, you get your cart and then you start seeing because the first thing you see when you walk in is the chips and the crackers and the cookies and the bakery goods and stuff. They're all kind of right, at least where I shop, there's the, the impulse stuff right there and then you forget. And then you starts out, you can't remember that fifth thing and that shopping actually will improve your prayer life because like, dear Jesus, I cannot go home having forgot something, especially after I said I don't need to write it down, I'm an adult, and so, Jesus, if you ever showed up at Cashwise, please, right now, I need help. I need help. And you, you do your shopping, and then you, you, you get in line. And, and I don't know if you've ever had this. Sometimes, you know, I've seen stuff that somebody took out of their cart. I don't know if it's because they had regret that I probably shouldn't have bought those, you know, cookies or Oreos or whatever it is. Or maybe I can't afford it. Or, or maybe you've been standing in line, and you start examining other people's, other people's cart, and, and you're, you, you get cart envy. It's like, oh, man, I should have. I should have got that. That looks really good. Or I wonder, what, I wonder how they're going to make that, you know. Or, 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 and I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't think they still have the, uh, you know, like six items or less or ten items. And I, I think it used to be six items or less. Then it went like to eight items or less. And then 12 items or less. And then it was do whatever the heck you want to do because, you know, people were like, you know, fudging. And, and, and I was terrible. I could have been the line Nazi. I would have, I would have for free checked people's carts. Because I was the one who was... St- Some of you are nodding your head. You're too, you too. It's sense of justice. You're standing in line behind me. You're counting. One, two, three, four. Wait a minute. They've got 11 items in their cart. And then you get so judgmental like Christians. It's like you start to wonder, is a six-pack of Coke, is that one item or six? <laughs> and then you justify. Well, if it's in my cart, it's only one item. But if it's in your cart, it's six items. <laughs> Actually, I used to do this. this. is terrible. This is before I was saved, Pastor Brian moment, not proud of it. Well, I kind of am. It was fun, but I, I'm not proud of it, totally. I used to, Shelly and I would go shopping. This is before we were married, before life started and kids and all that stuff. We'd go grocery. One of my favorite things to do was to find somebody's random cart and just put stuff in it. <laughs> Because I always thought, wouldn't it be funny when the guy gets home and his wife is like, why did you get cat chow? We don't. You know what? Maybe that was the guy that was praying. I can't remember what the fifth thing was that I was supposed to get. And I was in answer to his prayer putting cat chow in his. I'm going to. That's exactly what. The, I wasn't being mean. I was being led by God. Didn't know it. <laughs> All right. There is a point to this. There really, really is a point to this because life is a lot like the checkout line. Life is a lot like the checkout line because in life, you only get one of these. This is your life. You get one, no more. And over the course of your life, you're gonna fill your life with stuff. And there will be times in your life that you're going to put stuff in there that you're going to regret that you put in there. There'll be other times that you're going to look at other people's cart and have cart envy and like, Boy, I wish I wish I could have that. I wish I could be like, I wish I could do that. And you have the opportunity to fill your life with all kinds of different Things. We, we talked about the woman at the well a couple of weeks ago where, where Jesus said, trying to help her understand something, you're, you're coming to this well every single day to get water and it's only going to leave you thirsty. He said, I've got something for you in, 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 in a spiritual sense. I've got something for you that if you taste this, if you drink this, you'll never, it will satisfy the deepest longing of your heart. And sometimes we're putting natural things into our cart trying to fill a spiritual need. Listen to the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I think it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that we already have, Jesus Christ. This is where many of you are. You've started a foundation. And let me just warn you about this. Let me just maybe enlighten you a little bit. When you laid a new foundation... That's faith in Christ. When you, as Jesus said, you must be born again. When you were born again, when you got saved, whatever phrase you want to put on that, you got a new foundation. The values changed. The system changed. And so Paul's saying you can't lay a different foundation than the one that has already laid Jesus Christ. Verse 12, anyone who builds on that foundation Who's the anyone? It's me, it's you. We are the builders, the contractors, the laborers. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use, this is your choice. In a shopping vernacular, you can put whatever you want to in your cart. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. You're putting stuff into your cart, and some of it is beautiful and good and godly, and some of it's not so much. And what's going to happen is you're going to fill your life over the course of your days, but eventually you will get in line with everybody else. There is a checkout line, and one day you are going to check out. Then what? I think it was around Christmas time. Shelly and I were shopping at a local store here and uh i got in i thought it was a shorter line but the shorter line was longer took longer than all the other lines I'm again line envy now I'm watching people get through and when we finally got to the checkout we realized why because the checkout person literally was checking out stuff in all the carts not just ours literally she would take an object and she'd say I didn't know we carried this and then she would scan it and put it in and she'd, oh that looks really good literally one time she was reading the ingredients of what was in the stuff I'm a patient man but I'm not that patient and I kind of let my... But <sighs> <laughs> We all have bubble thoughts, amen? I was not a happy camper. But here's the thing. Eventually, you're going to check out. Eventually, the stuff that's in your cart, the stuff that's in your life, there's a day of reckoning, a day of accounting. And you may not realize this. You may not know this. Part of my job to help you understand and know this. And so Paul says this in verse 13. But... So you can build gold, silver, precious stone, hay, stubble, wood, whatever, but on the day of judgment, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. Everybody say done. Done. Not talked about. Not said. Not showed up at. But done. Every single one of us We'll give an account for what we've done, like last week. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done is based not just on, on, on getting there. Well done is based on doing what you have been designed and tasked with doing. So again, on, the day, on, on Judgment Day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. And can I just warn you and let you know that God's value system is different than this earth's value system? And that there will be many things that we think we need to put in our cart that are so valuable that on the day we're checking out or get checked out really aren't that valuable. There's stuff that we've worried about, wondered about, and stressed over that in the light of eternity don't make any difference at all. It just adds to the grind. And so what's valuable to us isn't always valuable to God. And so we should care about the stuff God cares about. And you may not know what all those things are. I, don't, I, I think, we, again, if we try to create a list, we're going to go down the wrong path. But God's not willing any perish. Part of our role and job is to let our lives shine before the people in our lives so that people can see that there's a relationship with God. They see our good works and they'll glorify God. He goes on, the fire will show if a person's work has any value. Verse 14, if the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved. A little bit of good news in this. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. This day will reveal the facade versus faith. It will reveal what has actually been done versus what was talked about doing or what everybody else should do. Now, I know that this, Pastor Brian, this is supposed to be a fun, this, just, you know. Man, I want you to be successful. I want you to hear well done, good, and faithful. I want to hear well. I want to finish well. I don't want to stumble across the finish line. Man, I want to run through the finish line. Hallelujah. Now, I want to finish with this thought and, and and This thought comes with, and I'm trying to get done here, but this thought comes with a big ask, A-S-K, ask. I really want to encourage you, if you could be here next week. We're going to finish this up. There's some really important things that I want to get into, and I want to sort of get paint a picture a little bit of where we're going this morning and try to finish this part up. When Jesus, the writer of Hebrews, talked about Jesus, Jesus being the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the author. And that word arrested me this week. Jesus is the author of my faith. He's there at the beginning of it. But I began to kind of just imagine an author, somebody writing a book. And, and I think that the idea that many people have about the new birth in Christ is that we've now turned over a new leaf. We've, we've now turned a page in our life. We've, we've turned to, we have a new chapter now. And, and, and that kind of works but it's weak. It kind of works, it kind of makes sense, but it weakens actually, actually weakens what it is that God has actually done in our life. Because to really understand the gospel and the power of the new birth, it isn't that God just, you know, kind of took your book now and he's turning over, you're turning into a new chapter. You know what he did with your book? He threw it out. He got rid of your book. Not only did he get rid of the book, he burned down the library. He killed the author of the book. He removed every, every ink blot and stain and every page of that book that you have. And he didn't just give you a new page. He didn't just give you a new chapter. He gave you a brand new book. Amen. But it's not blank. He gave you a new book, but it isn't blank. Listen to the words of the psalmist in Psalm 139. I praise you. We said this last week, I think, or two weeks ago. Praise is us thanking God. Worship is when we thank God for his character. We worship him because of who he is in our life. And the psalmist says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Our challenge is always, do we know that? I think that sometimes the, the degree of our thankfulness and praise is a reflection of what we know we don't have a lot of praise and worship, it's because we don't know a lot about what God has done for us and who he is. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. And the psalmist is talking about something creative that was going on behind the scenes in the background of his life and, and by, by, by extension, by in our lives also. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. What's he saying? There's a duality in this scripture because he's talking about what happens in the womb. When a child is conceived, and there's a life that God has given and a plan, the Bible tells us in Ephesians that it says that God had a plan for us from before the foundations of the earth, and God was waiting for hundreds and for thousands of years until you and I would be born so we could step into that plan, step into the pages of the book that He'd already written for us. There's a book. That God has already planned your days. He's already planned your destiny. He's already talked about and thought about and dreamt about and cared about each of those days. Which is why scriptures say that he who began a good work in you will complete it in the day of Christ. Which is why it is so important that in this in-between time, from faith to faith, from new birth to last breath, this life in the grind, that we have a perspective, <laughs> that I'm not going to be in this earth. I, love, I heard a preacher say this one time, and I, I, I just, I love it. He, he said this, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, that this earth is as bad as it will ever get. It's as bad as it'll ever get. It only gets better from here. If you're not a follower of Christ, this earth is as good as it will ever be for you. And it will only get worse from here. There's a perspective that we have of life. And I want to talk about this next week. And I really want you to be here because the grind, I think, more than anything else, the grind of Christianity, the showing up that leads to growing up, if we don't view it in the right way, it's going to wear us down. It's going to wear us out. And so in the authorship, this book that God wants to complete in us First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10 and I'm going to finish with this verse but God's amazing grace are you, glad, are you thankful for God's grace yes. amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me he began the work on that day and this is what Paul is referencing here. He's saying God's amazing grace has done some things for If you read, and we'll look at it next week, but if you read in the, in the previous thoughts in that 15th chapter, he's talking about, you know, I'm the least of the apostles and all these other things, and one born out a time, and it's kind of like, Paul, you're, 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 you're not making a lot of sense. But he said, by God's amazing grace, the word grace is a gift. God's gift to us. Because, but God's amazing grace has made me who I am. I think New King James says, I am what I am by the grace of God. We sing a song around here, The Great I Am, or not The Great I Am, but we sing, um, well, I can't think of what it is right now, but it has that theme in it that I am who we are in Christ. You need to know who you are. You need to be grounded in who you, not who you used to be, not who mama said you were, not who your ex said that you were, not who the coach said you were. You need to know who God says that you are. I am what I am by the grace of God. It is a gift, but there's more than just one aspect to the idea of grace. There is common grace that's available to everybody. There's saving grace that we step into when we make Jesus the Lord of our life. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace, you cannot qualify for grace until you realize you don't qualify for it. The moment you give up and quit and say, I can't do this. I can't make it on my own. That's the moment. It is the ultimate of humility. That is the moment that you receive grace. But as long as you're trying to merit grace earn grace deserve grace think you're good enough not so bad you need to know you're you're beyond repair it's how you were It's how god stepped into our life i am what i am by the grace God. God has made me who I am and his grace to me was not fruitless that means that grace has a continuing role in my life that not only does it bring me into a relationship with God but it is by grace that I endure the grind it is by grace that fruitfulness begins to be accomplished in my life but notice this next phrase let me read it again. God's amazing grace has made me who I am and his grace to me was not fruitless. In fact, I worked harder than all the rest. I worked harder than all the rest, yet not in my own strength, but God's. Read the life of Paul. Paul was in the grind. He was shipwrecked. He was he he was dead at one time. He was beaten. His life was a grind. And he said, I am what I am by the grace of God, but I worked hard also. And it was the combination of God's grace and in the grind relying on God's grace that brought fruitfulness out of his life. I think we think of shine and polish and goodness as a life that we want, but shine and polish and goodness is not life what we want, it's life that God ordained for us to walk in. It's the vision and the purpose and the destiny of our life. In fact, I worked harder than all the rest, yet not in my own strength, but God's. For his empowering grace is poured on me, poured out on me. There is a saving grace that brings you into fellowship and relationship with God, but there's an empowering grace that will carry you through from the beginning of your faith in Christ in the journey, in the life, in the race, in the grind, and it will empower you to endure so that you can arrive at the promise. Next week, we're gonna talk about that a little bit, but I'm gonna ask you to to, to bow your heads this morning and and, and join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, Father, we realize and thank you for the cart. Thank you for the life that you've given us here on planet Earth. Father, as a pastor, I don't want us to get to heaven and regret what we filled our life with. I don't want us to leave things undone I don't want to leave things undone. I want to live with no regret. And Father, I pray that that would be the heartbeat of this congregation, that we would live this life so that when we walk, and when we awake on heaven's shore, that there is no regret, that there is no sorrow, that there is no sadness, that we can stand before you and say, Father, we have done everything that we could possibly do for your will to be accomplished on planet earth. And yeah, it was hard and I was tired, but I persevered, and I'm so glad that I did. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, maybe you've been filling your life and building on a foundation that that was faulty, that was was weak, God says, I want to give you a new foundation to build on, and that's my son, Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've never made him the Lord of your life, you've never, as Jesus said, been born again and you would like to today, would you just hold up your hand? I want to lead you in a very simple prayer. Anyone at all say, Pastor, I want to make Jesus. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Man, this is a new start. Anyone else? Praise God. Anyone else? Let's all pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. I need a Savior. Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. Your blood has forgiven all my sin. I thank you that you're alive again. I receive today what I didn't work for I didn't earn, and I don't deserve. But I receive your forgiveness. I, for- I receive your life. I believe today that Jesus is my Savior. And I thank you, Jesus. You've begun something good in me. And I'm going to live my life in such a way that it will be completed. Father, I thank you for the men and women of this congregation. I thank you for these that raise their hand. I thank you, Father, that you have begun a good work in them. And, Father, we as a church surround them with our prayer. We want to be encouragers in their life. We want to walk with them in this life so that they can can take root and grow and develop and become who you want them to be. And we thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said Amen. amen, amen. Well, God bless you. Joy Christian Center.